Well, uh, Maker Camp is coming up this mm. weekend. Is that correct? Yeah, we're we're prepping for Maker Camp. I've been busy all week long because the Hotel Duresta is getting ready to house about <laughs> 14 people. And that's about people coming and going. I'm, I put names on all the doors. <laughs> wow. Just like most hotels, I overbook and then I rely on cancellations. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened this week. I'm like, oh, wait, oh. Oh, you're only going to be here till Thursday? Oh, great, great. So then I call my friend. I'm like, yeah, I got a room for you. So I've been, I've been juggling all the rooms and who gets what. And as a matter of fact, I went around with index cards and I put who is going to be in what room, like a wedding table, just so I don't forget anybody. And when I finally did that, I ended up with an extra room. And then when Derek calls me and says, Bobby Duke's coming. We got a mattress or something for him. I was like, as a matter of fact, we happen to have an extra room for him. It's a non-smoking room, though, but he cannot smoke, and it's only a single bed. No, so uh, so Bobby's coming. Bobby Duke's coming. Chris Chris uh, Burton from Florida's coming. And I have a question about your house. Let me interrupt you real quick. With that many rooms, potential places to sleep. Do you have? I know you don't like name the rooms and to have like mm-hmm. plaques on the side, but inside, like your head, do you have a description for? Yeah. As a matter of fact, a lot of the rooms have names. Uh, like between me and Taylor, we call one. My my, my friend Ramey's this cute little blonde that is a decorator. And Ramey would would uh, decorate one of the rooms. She decorated one of the rooms. So we call that the Ramey room. And it since has been like undecorated and changed a few times. It's been a long time since she's been up here. So we have the Ramey room. We have uh, uh, the Jocko room, the room where Jocko always stays. It's one room everybody <laughs> likes. So we have Jocko's room and... We have the the new the new room. So we have like various descriptive words. We have the blue room. And then we have the a room called new- the, the Swiss flag room because there was a Swiss flag hanging in it. So we call it the Swiss room. And you have but new yeah. new room and final new version two room. <laughs> yeah, like all my videos. <laughs> final, final, final. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 really come together. I have the very top floor. We call it the Russian orphanage. So we say, who's going to be in the Russian orphanage? Because <laughs> oh all the paint is peeled up there on the top floors. And the house has all these metal beds, and it totally looks like Chernobyl up there. The paint's Your house peeled. sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> Just with a little, you'd be surprised with a little bit of like video furniture thrown here and there. Because I look around, I'm like, what do I? Oh, I have these folding, flipping chairs. I got that. I got. Oh, I made that. So I just every room has got some piece of furniture made from a video. And this weekend, I went out and. Found and there was one room that had those folding metal beds where not folding but the the frame is adjustable. It's just like angle iron with like a bent oh. up leg that sticks down that holds a, a wheel that never stays in. So that drives me bananas. I can't stand that. So this Sunday on the flea market, I found a, a an antique metal bed that looks like it had come off of the Titanic last week. So I took it, wire brushed the whole thing, and fixed the frame up and got it working. So now. Mostly every room has got, except for this room. I'm in my bedroom today because we have people around, so I'm hiding in here because it's quiet. But <clears throat> this room has a bed that we made, Taylor and I made, years ago for a video. For Serter Perfect Sleeper or something. Remember there was a company that was giving everybody mattresses that come in an envelope? You cut them in this <laughs> open up. There's still a bunch of them around. Yeah, yeah. Casper. This-, this was the bed for Casper. We made. <laughs> this is the same flea market that's in your old TV show? Um, no, that's down in the city, of course. This this one is up the road. This is the one I've always gone to. And everybody that's coming to Maker Camp will go Sunday morning. 
it's only ever Sunday mornings, and it's good because the dealers are always new. There's always new people with clean, and there's a lot of guys with clean out, so they'll clean out a some dead guy's workshop and have all cool, fresh stuff every week. That's why it's a good flea market because there's always new new things and new people. Nice. So everybody that's coming is saying, when is the flea market? So, so everyone's excited to go to that. But anyway, long story short, I got the house in order, and I have the pizza oven from First Build. Patrick finally connected it last night. When I got that pizza oven, I had no idea where it was going to live. So I just thought it might live in the workshop, but then making pizzas in the workshop is inconvenient because we've got to bring a whole bin of ingredients to there, and I don't really have a good refrigerator there. It just really holds soda. And so there was always inconvenient. We'd be like, oh, let's do pizza. We did it once every six months. And so now with the pizza oven at the back of the, the porch, where I finally found a good, it's, it's under the covered porch just outside the kitchen. I kind of have this big, long communal table. And last night we, we did pizza night with a couple of the guys out of here early. And we had a very successful pizza night, first run of the pizza oven while I was plugged in. And so you guys can plan on watching me get fatter and fatter and fatter <laughs> in the next 20 videos <laughs> because I have no control around pizza, especially when I'm making it. And uh, this house is going to be full. I think Anne is staying here. Anne of all trades is going to be here. And, oh, awesome. Uh, Derek, Bobby, Chris from A Glimpse Inside, uh, Wesley Treat spent one night here, but he finally got his room at the hotel. Mark Adams, the famous photographer who photographs everybody, he's staying here for a few days until he goes over to the Maker Camp. Maker Camp actually opens up officially, I think, on Friday, and everyone's going to start getting their rooms like Thursday night, Friday morning, whoever needs a room. And my friend Joan, who owns Bear Mountain Boats, is going to come. We also have the camper as an extra spare room. One of my students is going to come with her girlfriend. The two of them are going to be here. Uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be wild. Awesome. My anxiety what, levels went up just hearing all those <laughs> names and and all that stuff that you got to do and take care of. Ugh. Yeah, well, everybody chips in. Like last night, the kitchen looked like a flower bomb had gone off in it. After all, the, we made like six pizzas last night, and it took only a few minutes. Everyone chipping in and cleaning up. That's usually what's good. Like, there's okay. never anybody that's just like sits back and goes, "Thanks for dinner." <laughs> no, you know, everybody jumps in, no matter what, everybody overly helps. And so everything that becomes disorganized becomes organized fairly quickly. But it's going to be so exciting. What What are the highlights coming up this weekend? Like, make me make me really regret the fact that I'm not there. <laughs> well, we have, we have, uh, for the first time ever, we're going to have a panel discussion on artists and makers. That's going to be with Jeff Fader and uh, uh, Leah Arapak and a few of the other big metal makers. And... There's going to be about 20 anvils going full-time. Mareko Mamousi is is I'm probably saying his last name wrong. Sorry, Mareko. He's a very, very, very uh, well-known knife maker. He's going to be there talking about how to make knives. We've got uh, Broadback Ironworks, the guys that make a, they make a specific type of grinder. They'll be there. There's uh, um, I'm, I'm blanking on her name. She does glass blowing. She's going to be there. Um, I'll say her name. I'll, I'll find the name by the end of the, the episode. And there's going to be, uh, we built in July, we made a timber frame truss bridge that goes over a pond. Last year, we made a big, we made a a pavilion in honor of Aaron. We, we, we dedicated it to Aaron. So there's a plaque on it and it's Aaron's space, but... It's a pavilion made all out of timber frames. We did, again, we cut and fit all the pieces in July, but then at Maker Camp, we put them together. So this year, there's a small little bridge that's needed on the grounds. So we made this walking bridge. It's all cut and 
pocketed and ready to be put together. So the bridge will be being put together and there's going to be axe throwing. There's going to be a thing called the maker swap, which is if you want to be in the maker swap, just bring something and you put it on the table. And at the end oh, of uh, one of the days, everyone just draws numbers and you just get, you know, you, you, hopefully you don't pick your thing. You just pick and you just switch it up with whoever else. And so wow. Keith Drennan from Blackthorn Concepts came up with that idea a few years ago. Last year was very successful. Um, what else? There's going to be, oh, um, Rob Rojas organizes the, 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 the downhill derby, kind of just like the Boy Scouts, the Boy Scouts. But I don't think there's many stringent rules as the Boy Scouts. Like the Pinewood Derby? Like the little Pinewood Derby, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Cool. So you got guys bringing cars made out of lead and steel and gold, you know, all the heavy elements. (laughs) (laughs) Cheating. Yeah. And you're going to have the cast of Making Fun's going to be there, I heard. So that's exciting. They're famous. Uh, Paul told me that he's been reached out to because Paul's in charge of the Making Fun account. He said a lot of people are saying, well, if we come, will we get a chance to meet the guy? As if, they, as if Paul's not in charge of the account, the people are writing and saying, will we be able to meet the cast of Making Fun if we come? Like, and Paul answers back as if he's the PR agent. Yes, you will be able to meet the cast. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> that's going to be exciting. Paul said to me, he said to all of us today in the group chat, he said, if you guys have any kind of props or anything from the show that you stole, just bring them just so we could have them there for people to take pictures with. Um uh, pen making. The guys have a, a tent. There's going to be pen making. I'll be doing bandsaw demonstration. Uh, the CNC company, Avid CNC, is sending over a plasma cutter, so you can see live plasma cutting, and then you can plasma cut parts and go over to the Lincoln Electric table and weld them together. There's awesome. going to be a revolving set of teachers at the at the Lincoln Electric between all their spon- you know, all the people they sponsor, such as me and Derek and Chris and. And all of us, we're all, and JD from Apex Welding, we're all volunteered to rotate and teach people how to weld. Is this a little, little, is, is this huge conference thing, is it profitable? I know these I think things so, cost because so much money to put together. Oh, yeah. Well, I like I, the tickets are kind of expensive to get in. It might be, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say, but I know it's, it's not, it's more than 20 bucks to just come in and walk around. And I know it's definitely more than that if you want to come in and experiment with each one of the things. I think there's different types of bands. If you have a certain color band, you can use. But gotcha. in all honesty, I've never seen any of that stuff between strictly enforced. Like if you're inside, you're inside. Yeah. You know, no one's checking because <clears throat> it's up to the demonstrators to to police that. And no one's going to be like, you can't touch my thing because you don't have the right. I don't. It's like I don't care. Yeah. You're here to play with it. You know. So I think it's just a uh, you know the the hotel has uh, has to make money. Austin and his family at the Blackthorn. And they they put on a good show. It's fun. The best thing about it is that there's no rules. It's everybody loves the fact that like when we've done, we've all gone to Maker Fair in San Mateo in New York, and you know how it seems like such a rigid thing, and it's almost like there's like police just standing outside, and people have like big gates around. Like the blacksmith guys are in a, a giant hoop. You weren't allowed to be near them at the last Maker Fair in New York. They had like a forty foot circle around them. So and they have blacksmithing. 15 feet away from the fence and you're kind of like looking over here you could literally stand there and get hit in the eyeball with a spark like, wow that was <laughs> how cool. fun is that that yeah, sounds like great. a blast no it's like here you take the hammer but you know it's it's a risk they take and it's been now three years and nobody's ever gotten hurt There's, there hasn't been one thing of anybody letting people use the lathe so 
It's kind of like, it's like if you could imagine going to like a state fair in 1970, it's probably what it feels like. Hmm. Where litigious wasn't even like a thing. You know, it wasn't yeah. it's like, oh, if I get stomped by a cow, that's my own bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luck for being near the cow, you know. <laughs> it's kind of, but like I said, nobody ever got hurt. No one's been hurt. That's awesome. So all that to be said, it's going to be a, a real hoedown. A lot of fun. My buddy. Oh, and then at the end of it, we do the burn with John, Johnny Trambucas and, uh, and Wesley. And last year, Michael Allen, but Michael had to go on some on a, on a trip that was scheduled. So Michael Allen didn't make it this year. But last year, Mike, Wesley, and Johnny, and a few other volunteers put together the Maker Burn, which was a big dinosaur that they set on fire on the last night, just like Burning Man, inspired by Burning Man. And so this year... They're making a giant jackalope. So it's going to look like a big rabbit with antelopes, with ant- antlers, a big jack- jack- rabbit with antlers. It's going to be like 40 feet tall or 30 feet tall. And then they set it on fire the last night. There's a big ring of people, and we all chant and act like savages and act like hmm. idiots. Well, Bob, you asked, are you jealous now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some, some FOMO there. You know, I wish I could... And it's be cool because it. now, for instance, those guys are building the, the jackalope to burn. And everybody like, oh, can I, you know, everyone gets a chance to throw a couple nails in it. And it, they start at the mm-hmm. ground and build it up. They came to my place and uh, 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 Keith Decent's also part of that crew now because he took over because Mike's not around. And Keith pulled up with his truck and we filled it with wood at my shop. They said, do you have any scrap wood? I'm like, I think I got something. And then I'm like, we go to my shop and we're looking around and I call it the junkyard, the side of my shop where there's just junk. And we look in there. I'm like, oh, I have these 25 sheets of plywood I never used that are all rain sogged. I'm like, you can have these. They're like, perfect. I completely <laughs> forgot I had them. Pallet wood. So they're, they're looking for anything because it's all going to yeah. get burned. It's so that that's exciting. Uh, it's exciting. It's going to be fun. Old friends. I think Laura's coming. You know, I haven't checked back with her, but Laura sent me a message that her and uh, Simone are coming. Mm-hmm. And but now I know Laura injured her leg, so hopefully Laura's still coming. She hasn't mm-hmm. sent me any other thing otherwise. I've been too busy to to ask her. But uh, yeah, she seems. Did you guys happen to see Laura's injury? I haven't watched that video yet. I saw that she got hurt, but that's yeah. Well, she I... she I watched the beginning of the video, then I got distracted, and I haven't had a chance to get back to it. But what she she fell during a hike and got a cut on her knee. Then it got mm. infected because she didn't take care of it properly, and then she said something in German, and then she's like, "I my my Spiegelschlagen got infected," and then. <laughs> After the doctor looked at my Spiegelschlagen, he said, I have to remove it. So I don't know if she meant her kneecap. Oh. Hmm. So I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to follow up. It probably says it in the comments. But I, We just God, lost all our German listeners. Yeah. Yeah. No, whatever. Hopefully the Spiegelschlagen isn't a bad word. Whatever. <laughs> but they, um, I think, they, I think they, it's, that was the indication. She said they had to take it out. I mean, the infection or the kneecap. I don't know. But I know Gosh. she's got a knee brace on. And... Hopefully she shows up here. It'd be great to yeah, see her. That would be nice. And she's coming with Simone. Yeah. I saw Simone in California a few weeks back, and I, she specifically asked me if I was coming to Maker Camp. And I was like, "Oh, no, are you?" And she was like, "Yeah." Oh, <laughs> cool. So yeah, I never met Simone. I, I never. Ta- I only just chatted with her when she had the surgery. I just said good luck, and you know, you're braver than me. But that mm-hmm. we, we we never met. <clears throat> Besides that, everything is. Uh, Honky dory. Cool. 
Excellent. Well, David, you've been on a trip. I was on a trip. That's why we didn't record last week. I was at Vid Summit, which is just like a it's a video conference, mostly focused on on YouTube, and took lots of notes. Had lots of fun. Already booked for next year. So it's one of those things. Uh, uh, even more important than all the notes that I took is the the energy and the excitement to to make videos. That's it. Just kind of re-energized me. I'm always excited to make videos, but hearing other people's stories really, really hits home and makes me want to make more and better videos. Did you, going out there, like, did you know anybody that you were going to meet up with or, you know, like, no, anything uh, like that? Or were you kind of on your own the whole time? I was on my own. I didn't really have anybody to, to meet up with, and I was totally okay with that. Since it's not, uh, you and I have been to... VidCon before, which is just insane and bonkers. It's not yeah. only a conference to learn, but it's also a conference for uh, meetups and and meeting your your favorite creators. This is nothing like that. This is just like Mr. Beast was there, Sean Duras was there, Ryan Trahan, but it, there was no meetups. It was just like people on stage talking, and then the attendees would all get together every night at the bar and, and hang out. But um. Totally, totally forgot what your your question was. I was going somewhere. Well, I mean, I, I know you went there to learn a lot. I didn't know if you oh, also yeah. got oh. to meet new people that you had. Oh, you know. I definitely met some some new people and, and chatted. I'm not the most social person in the world, but you know, the, uh, I, I did go down and, and hang out. Uh, Brad Rodriguez was there as well as John Malecki, oh. which we cool. know very well. Yeah. So it was it was good seeing them. I didn't know that they were going to be there. Um, not a lot of people from the maker community, but uh, a lot of people, if you follow the podcast, Colin and Samir, they do a, they have a podcast and they have a YouTube channel and mostly they interview YouTubers like Mr. Beast and Simone, or they didn't interview Simone, but they did a, a whole episode on Simone and just kind of talking about like, um, I hate that. I hate this term, but they talk a, a lot about the creator economy and behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. And while they were on stage for their scheduled talk, they hit a million. They had their YouTube counter uh, on the oh, on the wow, background on the crazy. screen, and yeah. it was really close. They were a, a few thousand away when they started their talk, and then people like Mr. Beast and some other creators started to tweet out like go subscribe to Collins and they they hit a million subscribers while on stage the the room the big ballroom there was like a thousand people and they just erupted it was like a, this oh, crazy well. magical moment it was so much fun wow that's cool yeah awesome but it was absolutely worthwhile you absolutely worthwhile already booked for next year hmm okay well I might have to make that one of my trips next year it, I, I I really uh I I highly recommend it if you're into video making and which you are because that's what you do. But uh, it just uh, it's it's so good. It's you just come back completely energized. And like I said, even more important than the notes is how I feel about making videos coming back and trying to change the way I think and my approach to to videos is is really good there's analytical stuff and then programming stuff and mindset stuff it's all good hmm so i mean that was probably a lot to 
take in and then when you come back from a trip like that, like we've all done this, when you come back, you're just overloaded, you're tired, you've got all this stuff in your head and you got to figure out how to organize it and what to do with it. And, you know, some of it sticks and some of it doesn't. Right. Since you got back, have you been like churning on that stuff like in your head or have you gotten back to work or have you, you know, have you been making stuff since then or how's that? Yeah, I, uh, both. So, I mean, we filmed all day yesterday. I'm working on finishing up this, this burns campaign that we're doing. So I'm kind of glad that this is ending because that's been a huge part of my uh, shop time over the last couple months. And then um, I've got, uh, I mean, there, there, there's no time to, to rest and think. I have uh, our wedding anniversary is this month, and we make remake our rings every single year. So that's on my mind. We've got bathroom renovations coming in November, both of our bathrooms. I'm not doing them, except I'm making the vanities. So I really have to get on on that. Just crazy busy. But last night I did go through... And I went through all my notes and then I kind of rewrote my notes because when you're, when you're at a conference or you're in a classroom, you're, you, you, you know, you, you take shorthand notes and then you're like, I'll know what I'm talking about later. And I wanted to like rewrite those and reinforce those things with full, complete sentences that are readable. And, uh, yeah, and I, I would, I would take photos of each presenter and then. And then make my notes below that, and just having that visual of of that presenter on stage and the, the notes below that helps me kind of remember mm. that moment. Plus, when you buy a ticket to one of these things, you also get the replays, so you could go back and, and watch everything. And sometimes classes oh. overlap because there's a main ballroom, and then there's little classes, so I get to go and rewatch the ones that I didn't get to see, or not rewatch, but watch yeah. the ones I didn't get to see. That's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it seems worthwhile. You could just like pay for it and then not go, and then just have all the videos. You can buy just the just the replays, so, and that's mm. I've done that in the past for twenty twenty one and twenty twenty. And this year, I really wanted to go. I for me, I'm easily distracted. So when I buy courses like that and just watch mm-hmm. on my computer, all of a sudden I'm on Twitter, checking my email, playing with the dogs, and I lose that focus. Where if I pay a stupid amount of money to be at a place. You know, with the flight and everything, like I'm focused. This is this is what I'm here for. I'm I'm really absorbing the information. Yeah, yeah. You're always like you're you're fully wrapped in it. Like yeah. all the way around you is that event. And yeah, that's all you can do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, I, I've bought. <laughs> I think we talked about this a couple of years ago. I bought like a a guitar course. Kind of like I'm gonna legit finally learn how to play guitar. I've been mm-hmm. playing guitar since I was a teenager, but I was like, I'm gonna learn it. And I watched maybe two videos. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And I spent my 100 bucks on a bunch of stuff that I never watched. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. Yep. Well, that's cool. I'm glad it was was worthwhile. Yeah. Um for what me, I I'm not sure what I've been up to, to be <laughs> honest. Uh it feels like I haven't been up to much, but I probably have. We're working on another online course. And so I've been recording and re-recording and re-recording and re-recording some of that over the past week or two, which has been a little frustrating. We had some technical problems. I got through like a big, long chapter and then just kind of didn't feel good about it. So I went back and just did it all again. And then like, Mm -hmm. you know, a memory card would fill up and I'd have to go do a section of it again. And then the microphone would turn off and I'd have to go do a section of that again. Is, is that kind of stuff. Have you, Oh, did you want me to hit record? Like after 10 minutes? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, was this, this wasn't yeah. a rehearsal? Yeah. 
Been there. Have you read the book uh, Creativity Inc? No, no. Uh, It's 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 by the one of the guys from from Pixar, and he talks about like when they 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 storyboard a movie, and there might be like fourteen thousand cells to their storyboard, and it's like the movie is always bad at the beginning, and then you got to go and and you got to redo it, and then you it over and over and over again, and it's such a a painful process, (laughs) but it's rewarding and worth it throughout the entire thing and then the payoff is pixar makes the best computer animated yeah. movies in the world i do remember hearing that same thing about uh the first toy story that it, like the first draft and the first several scenes that they did were just terrible and everybody yeah. thought well this is gonna totally fail and well, persevered juggernaut it became yeah for real um so, the, I mean, the course thing is, is an interesting – it's an interesting thing to do. I've done it before, trying to do this one again. I'm, I, I've outlined everything that I want to cover, but you can only outline something you're teaching so far unless you are word-for-word scripting it, which I don't do super well with. So I've outlined it, and then as I'm you know, going through the outline trying to talk to camera and do this thing, I'm also thinking about, well, you know, what's the best kind of – lowest bar example to get an idea across to somebody but then how many times do i have to say this to camera to get it right and then i think about forby having to edit those things and so i'm I'm consciously trying to make it easier for him to edit in what i'm saying and i know that's not really how you should shoot things but it's it feels like a lot to kind of hold on to in any given moment and it's not just a minute or two of talking. This is, we're talking like 30, 40 minutes at a time of trying to manage all that stuff and and do it right. And if I mess up, you know, I just reset to the sentence or whatever. I don't always start over. But it's surprisingly exhausting to shoot that kind of stuff to camera for that amount of time. And then especially when you get to the end of it and you're like, you know what, that was just not right. (laughs) I'm going to have to start over. But... um, Anyway, I'm making progress on that, but it's getting slower. The further and more complicated the stuff becomes, the further I get into it, the progress seems slower. Can you say slower. what the class is, what the subject is? Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing an Arduino course um, oh, right. for somebody who has no experience, no programming experience, no electronics, and so we're starting at the very beginning. And that initial quite a bit of the course so far is, you know, like, what is programming? Like, Trying to get that general idea across to somebody with no context is actually a little bit more difficult than you'd expect. But then we're talking about how do electronics work? Just really simply, you know, what is an Arduino? That kind of, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and those things are easy to talk about. Like I could do that off the cuff and that's fine. But then when you get into programming and trying to explain to somebody how you think through what something needs to do, how you describe what that thing is that needs to be done in code, and then how you write that code. And just because I would do something to get those, you know, that path of stuff doesn't mean that either of you would get that same path to accomplish the exact same thing. It's a creative, it's a creative process to make something happen physically through programming. It doesn't seem like it. it seems technical, but it is creative because there's so many different ways to do that. And, it's turned out to, to be an interesting thing to try to explain to somebody, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's what we're working on. Hopefully it'll be done 
Uh, we're shooting for end of next month, I think. I'm probably about 75% through shooting it. Um, and then edit is falling behind. You know, it's, he's trying to keep up with me. Um, so, anyway, that's one of the big things. On top of that, the... Um, can you see in my case? You can't see it right there. Right there. Can you see that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> so... Star Wars. This will, yeah, yeah, Star Wars. Um, this will be out by the time the episode's out. So I guess I can go ahead and say it. But I made the lightsaber a couple weeks oh, ago. Yeah. While we were in California, when we were hanging out with Frank Ippolito, I the whole idea with the lightsaber was I wanted to make a screen accurate lightsaber that was screen accurate, given the 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 display is also screen accurate. And so this is the lightsaber that Luke was holding when his hand got cut off in Empire Strikes Back. So I wanted to have the hand just cut off holding the lightsaber floating in air as the display. And so while we were out with Frank, he made a mold of my hand um, and made a cast in silicone. And then he painted it, which is – it was so cool to watch him take this solid color silicone and paint it to look like my hand. Like, he's looking at my arm and going, oh, yeah, you have a lot of blue veins. Like, they're really obvious. I'll just put those on there. (laughs) And, you know, oh, like, I I joked about I had taken off my watch while we were doing this. And, like, look at my tan line. Like, I I run all the time, so I have a ridiculous watch tan line. And I made a joke about that you could see the watch impression in my arm in the cast. And so he looked over at my arm and he was like, oh, yeah, we need a tan line. So he painted in my tan line (laughs) into this arm. I mean, it's, it's subtle, but it's definitely there. Can you see? Can you see an impression of the watch in your wrist in the oh, mold? Yeah. Yep. Oh wow! And yeah. is that just because it's always there? Or is that because you just took your watch off? I just took like it off. The line that you just—I just took just, it off and like stuck my hand down in the alginate, yeah. and uh, yeah, it just hadn't had time to kind of bounce back. And it's subtle. I mean, you, but if you know what you're looking for, you can see it. Anyway, so this week we finished up the hand that he made. I made a simple stand uh, out of black acrylic. I could totally see what it is now that you describe what, like, over your shoulder. I was joking. It looks like Batman with a cloak, but now oh, I see that it's yeah. the hand holding the lightsaber Yeah, as you and describe it. And it's, you know, floating off like it's just floating away, like he just lost it. And I, I was here the, the other night by myself, and I was trying to just think through this little acrylic stand. It's really basic. And <laughs> so I, I was like, oh, I should put a little plaque on this thing, on the stand, just to... I don't know, just to like capture the moment. Like I want to get the moment of it fla- of, like falling off his hand. So I pulled up the movie and I watched that little sequence. And I'm like looking for some sort of a clever quote that Luke said. And as soon as his hand gets cut off, he just goes, ah, that was it. So I made a little plaque that just says, ah, <laughs> Luke Skywalker <laughs> underneath it. And it's like silver laser etched. And so that is the little description that's on it. And for some reason, like I said, I was by myself. I laughed so hard at making this stupid little plaque. I just could not stop giggling about it. Anyway, so that thing is done. Uh, the video is all about like the molding and casting and, and a little bit of the painting process. Frank so it's was a awesome. part two uh, to the original video you posted last week? Yeah, I mean, kind of. It's it's yeah. separate. It's it's about making that hand, but right. Yeah, the goal is to end up showing off the lightsaber. So yeah. we're doing that, and then I've been working on the course, and then we're trying to plan out the next several videos. We got a big kind of construction video coming up on the on our building, on the backside of our building. We're going to do some stuff, and so that's you know planning, and I'm trying to look into permitting and all that type of stuff. 
And mm. uh, we're working on some products internally that hopefully we'll have something we can talk about in the near future. So we got a lot going on, but yeah, trying, yep. to, trying to make stuff, you know. Is uh, speaking of, go ahead. Are you familiar with the Wilhelm scream? Oh yeah. Is is that in Star Wars at all? Uh, it's everywhere. It, like okay, a bunch. Okay, yeah, yeah. But that's not Luke. My kids. Is that, is that actually Luke? Uh, it's not him in that scream. No. Okay. But it is used a bunch of times. Okay. Um, and my kids actually know the Wilhelm scream. I pointed it out to him one time in a movie, and so now every time that it shows up in any movie, they always like, oh, there it is. You know. What is the Wilhelm scream? I don't know. So there was a was it a, was he a director or a sound? I forget the story. I forget the origin story. There was a back in the like the 30s or 40s or something. There was a, a guy named Wilhelm who recorded a few screams. There's actually not one. There's like three or four of them, and he used these screams for ADR for like you know extra audio anytime something would happen within this movie. And he kept using these same screams, and then they just became kind of part of the archive. So other filmmakers would start to use them, and you've heard it before. It's in so many like, like horror you would movies. recognize yeah. the scream. It's just this like look ah kind of scream, <laughs> and it's in the Claggett scream now for <laughs> it's in everything. It's in like every movie, action movie from the sixties and seventies and eighties and probably into the nineties. I did hear one point uh, when they came out with the new Star Wars movies. You know, after Disney bought them. They one of the guys, the directors, I think, actually specifically said, "We're not using the Wilhelm scream anymore in any of the movies, but we have a replacement that we are going to be using in movies for that same effect going forward." And so it was kind of like a see if you can figure out what we're using gotcha. kind of thing. So it won't be in the new ones, but if you go back and listen to it on YouTube, you you'll hear it and you'll be like, "Oh, I know that scream because it's in everything." But yeah, um, so. We had kind of a topic. Jimmy, you want to you take that? Yeah. Talking about making as therapy, and I was just going to talk a little bit about my personal journey. <clears throat> it doesn't uh, – you guys haven't had actually the same exact journey, of course. We all have different journeys. But people often say to me, why am I so addicted to making or what is it? Like I, I actually see a therapist and he laughs and he's like he always jokes and with me. He's like, oh, well, you'll just go in the workshop. Like every problem just gets <laughs> solved by me just going and hiding in the workshop. And uh, – he was reminding me that the other day, how I, I've been accused of lack of balance in my life. And, but I, I stopped drinking alcohol and, and I never really did any drugs, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I just experimented like any teenager, any typical American Long Island teenager. We all dabble in everything and decide which is going to be the one that we get addicted to. It's typically like the Long Island experience. And for me, it was alcohol, and I was a very bad alcoholic as a teenager from about 16, 15 years old till 20. So in those five years, I had a lot of blackouts, a lot of stupid incidents. I cut the end of my finger off in a blackout. Like if you ever see like my pointer finger, this is you see it's kind of angled and shaped weird. I cut my finger on glass, and I wasn't even there for it. The whole thing happened, and then I heard all about it afterwards when I woke up with a Band-Aid on my hand. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so lots of stupid things like that have happened to me. So I always was in the workshop, and I even actually cut my hand once on the bandsaw drunk when I was 17. 
because I had a bunch of work to deliver and I was drinking and I was like, oh, that she's going to pick all that work up tomorrow morning. And so I was 17. I went down in the, and I tried to use the band so drunk. I mean, I don't know how many people <laughs> can say that they bandsawed, wow. they drunk bandsawed, and I cut between my fingers. Like that. You see that bad scar between my knuckles? That's happened oh, when yeah. I was 17. And uh, yeah, so I, my brother Joseph got into a very bad car accident, drunk driving, December 16th, 1986. And that was the last time he drank. He didn't kill anybody and he didn't kill himself. He damaged the car and a few cars and he damaged his leg. And he almost lost his ear in the accident. But after all was said and done, he stopped drinking. And he stopped drinking that night. I have a, my great uncle, my grandfather's brother, who was actually in some of the earliest AA meetings. He died many years ago. But at the time, he was an elderly man. So in 1986, he was probably into his 70s. And my uncle Bill came and met my brother at his bedside in the hospital and said, maybe you should consider not drinking anymore. Your mother has described a series of patterns that sounds like you might be an alcoholic. And after Joey became enlightened to all that in 1986, it was only six months later that I also decided to stop drinking before I went down that same path. I never did drink and drive, but I certainly hopped in cars when other people were drinking and driving. I always felt like if I wasn't driving, I was safe. But the, the guys I was out drinking with, they were driving. So, I, I mean, it wasn't all that safe. And this is all in the 80s. So in May 31st, 1987, I drank my last beer and said, let me see if I could stop this for a week. And then that led to two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, years. And now here it is 35 years later. I haven't had any alcohol. Wow. I also stopped smoking about, uh, about 10 months after that. I said, let me see if I could stop smoking cigarettes because, uh, again, you know, sometimes we get scared straight. I had a girlfriend whose mother had throat cancer and lost the ability to speak because of cigarettes. She could speak, but, you know, she needed one of those buzzers to speak, and that was super scary. And that was why I stopped smoking, because I was like, I don't want to end up with, like, this woman who lost her voice, like, 10 years before I met her to cancer. And after all said and done, I basically became addicted to making things, and that's why I am so constantly in the shop. And when it get down to going to the party or going to the nightclub or going, to, you know, socializing, here I am a 20 year old socializing without drinking. And I have to admit it wasn't easy because one of the main reasons I drank so much was because I was super shy and I had a really hard time interacting with people unless I was drunk or drinking or buzzed or whatever. And so that really became a crutch for me. And when I went cold turkey, and it was difficult, but I knew what I had to do to survive. And I was going to AA meetings at the time. And I didn't do any of the real 12 steps seriously. I ended up staying in AA meetings for about three years because my brother did, and me and my brother would go together. And I had several, I made several friends that would come and go from the meetings. So I would go and hang out with them. I made some really close friends there. And, but after all is said and done, I, would go in the workshop anytime there was something, any free time I would go in the workshop. And I would always basically say, now I, I've become addicted to making things. It's better than being addicted to drinking. Or, you know, I guess what they say, if you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. But the outlet of wasting time at the bar or wasting time drinking with friends till you blacked out, <clears throat> I replaced, <clears throat> I replaced all that with being in the workshop. And 
I feel like I have four lifetimes of experience because I stopped drinking. If I stayed in the workshop and also still drank, I would, would have literally split my time in half, if not one-third making, two-thirds partying. Because it's all we did as teenagers is party, go to nightclubs, go. I mean, I've been to every nightclub in New York City by the time I was 18. Like Danceteria, the Palladium, all these clubs that are all closed down now. And we would just drink until we blacked out in the morning, wake up on the train platform in Long Island and be like, oh, wow, I wish I knew what happened tonight. That would have been fun. But as an adult, even now dealing with adult problems, and I just make stuff. And so making as therapy for me has been, it's, 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 it's my makeup. It's what I do. It's, it's, it's everything. And if it's not, sorry, let me just pause and cough. If not for making and solving problems and I guess you could say escaping from certain things, it wouldn't, I don't know what else I would do. I really don't know. You keep busy, you know, like that guy joke, and I've said this many times, where David Welder would always say, what's bothering you? Because he would see me sweeping the floor furiously. I was like, oh, I got this to do, this is due, I got to do that. And he's like, he goes, you only sweep the floor when you're uptight and nervous. <laughs> but it's, for me, it's like, okay, if I can't solve that problem, I can know I could solve this problem, and I'll feel like I'm accomplishing something. I guess that's part of it. I'm not saying it's the most healthy thing. But when people say to me that, you know, I've gotten reached out to by several people that uh, have had drinking problems or drug, drug abuse problems, and they say, how do you do it? I was like, just stay busy in the shop, and it's better than staying busy out on the street or wherever it is you do your thing. And I said, maybe it's not the most healthy advice, but at least you're not drinking. And, you know, when it gets to, when you're in AA, for instance, they say, do this. As long as you're not drinking, you'll be okay. Ultimately, you'll be okay in the long term. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that and how you guys deal with, I guess you might say that, is that that called replacement therapy, (laughs) where it's like you're replacing one thing, one addiction with another? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, to be clear, uh, therapy, I mean, I'm not, I think you would agree with this. Yeah. Yeah. This is in quotes therapy. Like therapy is a a different thing that people need for different reasons. But I think what you're talking about, and, and I do not have the personal experience that you have there at all. So I, I'm not speaking for you, but I do think like the, the idle hands thing can be a problem. And if your fallback to having idle hands and having free time is alcohol or drugs or whatever destructive, then replacing that, I guess it's called a replacement. I don't know, but replacing that with something productive, no matter what it is, you know, is, is a better option. It's not solving the problem, but it's maybe just keeping you out of trouble, keeping you out of temptation, keeping you out of places that can take you down a path you don't want to go. And <clears throat> I mean, I think I I probably do that. I don't think I use making stuff for that personally, but I do that with running. I, yeah. I know that oh, yeah. if if I don't go for a run, I feel, I don't know. I, I could spend 30 minutes in the morning sitting on the couch looking at my phone as like a, well, it's the morning time. I'm going to relax a little bit or whatever. And it feels, at the end of that time, it feels wasted. And it sets up my day to be something that it shouldn't be. And I just have this yeah. like, bleh. But if I put that same time towards something productive, reading a book that I want to read or going for a run, then the rest of my day feels like I started it off in the right way. you know. And so replacing any idle time with 
something good. I'm not saying maybe productive was the wrong word there. Something good for you. Because good for you can be rest. Good for you can be conversation. Good for you can be exercise or making stuff or whatever. But I think finding those places where, for me, it's been finding those places where I'm idle and I can do something good Mm -hmm. in that time has been the thing that I I would air quote therapy for me in that same way, you know. I mean, uh, Dave, I'll let you speak. I was going to say, but I've been going through a lot of stuff personally I haven't really told anybody about. It's nothing bad. It's, it's not, not, not life-threatening at all, but just relationship stuff. And, you know, I find myself with a little bit of free time, and I'm like, let me go on the boat. Let me, I got to do the next step on the boat. Let me go do the next step on this. And oh, I even fired my tiles finally since February that I started the tile <laughs> so, experiment. And, uh, you know, it's... And and if you can't control this other thing, or if you, this other thing's kind of going in a bad direction, at least I can control this. And it's a it's a sense of accomplishment mm. that at least gives you confidence that things aren't all bad. Yeah, absolutely. I've yeah. been very lucky in the fact that I don't think I have an addictive personality. Where I think some people are just. Uh, born with the possibility like they're just easier to get addicted to a substance or whatever and i've been very lucky i smoked for 15 years i was just able to quit but like like that i lived yeah i went cold turkey when i did i lived in uh, a college town bowling green ohio and it's a party town and it's small i lived there for 10 years we walked to the bar we could walk home so it was safe to drink because we didn't have to get in the vehicles we drank every single day for for years that was just the thing and i got lucky that it was just i don't have to do that i never had to uh where other people you know they you it's really really hard for them to quit smoking or drinking or drugs yeah. or whatever and i'm so glad to hear bob say that making is not his his therapy because i felt i feel the same way and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be the only one who doesn't use making as a therapy. But what I think my therapy is, is, and I'm really obsessed with learning stuff. I'm constantly buying books. Mm. I'm constantly paying for courses online or watching videos. Like, I just, I love learning something. And, like, if I'm having a rough day or, or whatever, I'm, I'm just going to... I'm going to get out one of those books or I'm going to watch one of those tutorials that I paid for. Like, but I, I just love learning. Even if I'm not even using the stuff, it just makes me feel good to just absorb knowledge. And I don't retain it very well either. I, but hmm. maybe that's why I keep watching and, and reading because I have to relearn everything all the time. But Well, it's, it's, a, funny, it's a funny thing. So I can kind of uh, relate to what you just said. I... If I'm feeling out of control or not being able to control a certain situation or whatever, for me, if I go to try and learn something, I get even more frustrated because I feel like, for instance, like CNC, like technical stuff, like rotary CNC, which is the one thing I've been trying to figure out lately. Uh, it gets me even more frustrated. I'm like, let me just go do something I know I'm good at mm. so I could feel that sense of accomplishment. And I haven't, uh, to be perfectly honest, it's not something that I'm conscious of. But since this, we're talking about this here, I'm thinking to myself, oh, the reason I revert back to things I'm good at is so I can get that hit of, ah, oh, okay, now that's done. Mm-hmm. That's done and it's done well. Versus, oh, let me do another trial and error and do, do another test. Let me break another bit. Let me, 
then that gives you even more of a sense of frustration on top of whatever it is you're trying to hide from. But that makes a lot of sense when you think about what you're replacing. That yeah. that kind of like dopamine's probably not the right thing. But yeah, I didn't want know, to use any of those words because I'm no doctor. But yeah, yeah, but like the you know when you you drink a lot or you do something that gives you that like satisfaction that whatever that thing is that makes your body and your mind feel good for that moment, you're replacing it with the dopamine hit of success of yeah of of feeling good, feeling accomplished. And I think that maybe that's what I meant by productive is like you're you're you feel like you did something and like you succeeded at something. And I think whatever that thing is, if it's like grabbing a new piece of knowledge or doing a thing you've done a thousand times to prove to yourself that you can do it well still mm-hmm. or running at a certain pace or playing a song on the piano because you've practiced it a thousand times and now you nailed it. That's the kind of thing that. In, in the moment of like having a hard time trying to replace that other really fleeting like thing that fills a gap in your heart or in your mind, filling it with something that you is true and like good and like you can prove it in front of yourself like that that's pretty big, you know mm-hmm. so even if it is something that you've done a thousand times, if it the the point is not the thing that you're doing, I think it's it's what you're replacing and, and what it's doing for. How you feel about yourself? I would assume. Yeah, I'm no doctor. <laughs> yeah, th- that no, makes I, sense. I'm, you know? So I, I, I always give the advice, and I'm not a licensed therapist, as many people know. But <laughs> that would be awesome if you were, though. Yeah. <laughs> what a set By of the skills. way, guys, did I tell you that I have a PhD in workshopology? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of people watch your videos for therapy. I think you, I do get that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we all get that. Absolutely. And that's it's it's a very unintended consequence of of what we've all begun, and it's a it's it's wonderful to hear. It really is, and I've gotten so many beautiful letters from people that say say that it's just mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. It, it, you just go, wow! I was just I'm just a knucklehead making something in the workshop, showing off, and now here it is, helping you through a hard time. It doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to me reading those things. It's because it, it just yeah. feels like oh, I'm doing doing this thing that I do. This is just what I do. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's a weird it's a weird payoff that you never expect. You never set out for. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. We said before what? we started recording. You said that you yeah. weren't going to cry, and I said you would. And I, I said cried. I probably would too. And <laughs> I want to tell a story cry. right now that will make me cry. And so I'm not going to tell the story, but it's it's one of those things that you're talking about where I got a message from somebody in yeah. a very different situation from mine. And not that me as a person or me as a maker was the thing that fixed them or that made their life different, but the fact that they had somewhere else to look than the problem in front of them for just a short amount of time, like saved a life, saved a marriage, all that stuff at the same time. And I'm with you, David. There's no reason that that should be – but logically that does not make sense for something like that to happen because I made a silly video on the internet. But it did. Yeah. So – you know, if <clears throat> if for nothing else, oh, Bob's gonna cry. He's coughing. No, no, I'm not. I just have a bunch of stuff in my throat. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, I might cry, but if for nothing else, you know, the the things that we do Distract. for ourselves can be a distraction for somebody else as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, and that's a really fantastic unintended consequence, I guess. That reminds me of a time in my life when, it, if you guys remember, back to nineteen two thousand six. 
January 2006. And I remember this specifically because I was in the process of splitting up with my five-year term girlfriend. And we, we lived together. We were engaged. The only time I'd ever been engaged. And I was heartbroken. She was leaving me and I was heartbroken. And I didn't want to change. I didn't want things to go another way. And everything about it was just, it, it was terrifying to me. And January 1st, 2006, if I get my math right, the beginning of the Howard Stern show on Sirius Radio started. And for Christmas, my dad bought me a Sirius Radio, knowing that I was a Howard Stern fan. He's like, I got your subscription. It'll start January 1st when Howard Stern comes on the air. And those, like, four to eight weeks of the beginning of the Howard Stern show on Sirius Radio was total therapy for me at that time. Even now, it's funny. It's like Howard Stern has changed tremendously, and you know, I don't listen to him as religiously as I did. And I'm not going to be one of those guys that says, oh, he's sold out and all that other stuff. You know, there's lots of opinions. I still, to me, he's still a comforting voice because of that time. And I had listened to him since 1986, like 20 years earlier till then. However, is that 20 years? I don't know what the math is. But up till that point, obviously, I'd listened to him. But now he was unfiltered. There wasn't any FCC regulations, and the show was just wildly funny. And because of what my personal circumstance was, learning to live alone for the first time in five years, you know, not by my choice, and having to figure out what that looks like, and you know, me and <clears throat> having to begin to exercise and really start to take care of myself. And then just every morning, just laughing to the Howard Stern show was so therapeutic for me. But those, like I said, those like that started January, so February, March, and then you know, and even now. Well, how much does uh, I, I, there's got to be a routine that plays into therapy as well, right? Just doing the same thing every day is. Oh yeah, well that was me in the shop making whatever projects I had at the time, doing interior design work and and working with Dave Welder at the time. Dave was always a big source of uh, you know just the comic relief. We always had so much fun together. It was like one of the things we did. We always laughed at work. Like we laugh at the Howard Stern show, all the crazy characters that would come on. And then when we were doing it, we were like on deliveries. We would always laugh. We would always make the best of it. And he always appreciated the fact that like he, he had worked with people that would lose their temper all the time when work wasn't going well. I would just turn it into stupid silliness. And, and the Howard Stern show was a big part of that. Just put us in a good mood. And uh, you know, like I said, I remember that time specifically, what, what I was personally going through and how just escaping into the characters on that stupid show took me out of it and helped me maintain a better state of mind. Hmm. So I, I have kind of a related to pivot a little bit, um, kind of a related thing <clears throat> where as I've never dealt with substance abuse, I do find myself now at this point in my life looking at, well, I started running maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago or something. I think it was right before our first kid was born. He's about to turn 15, which is crazy. Um, I started running from like a, you know what? One of these days I'm going to be older. And one of these days it's not going to be as easy to keep weight off. And one of these, you know, it was like a future kind of, I should probably get in the habit of doing something healthy now, even though I hate it, like legitimately hated it. So I started doing that. And then now I find myself middle age. Um, with high blood pressure, high cholesterol. If you're middle-aged, what am I? <laughs> you are old. <laughs> and so I find myself in this 
place where like now I'm I'm beginning to be at that place where I was thinking about 15 years ago about to be able to maintain the lifestyle, the health, level of health and stuff that I want, to be able to be around for grandkids and past and all that type of stuff. Like I ha- I can't I can't be idle about my health. I can't be idle about being active. Like I I have to keep up with it now. And so it it's not at all the same situation, but I have found myself <clears throat> in the last six months or so going like, this is not like a preparation thing anymore. Like this is, You're this it. is now mm-hmm. like I, I have to keep up now. I'm not preparing for being older. Like I'm, I'm there. And so I have to decide how I want to spend my time is, and I, I mentioned reading in the morning <clears throat> or getting up and just sitting on the couch, you know, but to rest or whatever, to relax. But now I'm at a point where I'm like, I got to decide, are my mornings going to be spent maintaining and like keeping myself healthy for the long term from now forward, not from later forward? Or do I want to give that away to get, you know, 30 minutes extra of sleep or to scroll through Instagram for 30 minutes on the couch? Instagram is the better choice. (laughs) (laughs) But it's kind of weird to be confronted with that, like, I have to make an active decision about how my future is going to be, you know, to a point. I mean, I can't control most of it and missing a day of exercise and stuff like that and not, you know, having a bad meal and stuff here and there is not going to kill me. But, like, I can make an active decision about how my idle time plays forward. And so I found myself recently being in that spot. I'm like, I've got to transition. I also have a whole bunch of stuff in my throat. I apologize. I... I'm finding myself in a place where I have to decide how I want to transition forward. Like, this stuff is not really optional anymore. I've got to make it a priority, and I've got to use my idle time um, for something for myself to, yeah. to prolong. I my try health. to remind myself just a simple mantra for whatever it's worth. A simple thing is make better choices. Simple as that. Just make better choices. Like when I'm walking through the store, you know. Should I grab the protein bar or should I just have like a little yeah. snack that's from the deli counter versus, you know, a candy bar that's disguised as an exercise bar? You know, it's basically just <laughs> make better choices. Just I'm constantly reminding myself, like I'll walk into the store and I'll just say, make better choices. Not going to lie. There are those days where I'm like, I don't care about what I'm choosing. And I just get this, you know, get the candy mm-hmm. protein bar. <clears throat> but I love a good lately. hamburger. Like I yeah. love hamburgers. But I found myself in the last year or so going like, well, I could have a second hamburger this week or I could just get the chicken sandwich at the same place. Not a big deal, right? But it is that thing that you're talking about. It's like mm-hmm. this one little moment I can just choose to do something that I know is going to affect my cholesterol and eventually is going to help with whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, It's like a little yeah. thing. But all those little choices add up to like prolonged effect. effect you, know? you spoke of the transition. The where you have to this this change but i think you put yourself in a position where it's not that much of a transition you just have to continue doing what you do and like jimmy says just put put a little bit more thought into into the decision do i need this do i want this what's what's the better choice here i feel i feel blessed in that that i don't have to make a big change in my life at this point but from talking to my doctor recently, just a normal checkup, not a big deal, nothing was wrong. Um, she, you know, she was kind of pointing out, like, 
you know, you're 45. This is the point where people start have to, you know, like if they're not healthy, then they have to start kind of working on it. And it made me think about people my age who I know who are not healthy. And like they're in the exact same place that I am. They're dealing with the same future that I'm dealing with, but now they have a lot of work to do to get Mm. there. And it kind of bummed me out for them, you know? Like, it's going to be harder to all of a sudden change. And I guess it's kind of what you were saying about that moment in your life, where Jimmy, where you had to big pivot. Like, I've got to live by myself. I've got to figure out who I am. I've got to figure out how to do this. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a bunch of transition. And I know people go through major life transitions all the time. But hearing that from my doctor made me think about people in my life who maybe ha- haven't been confronted with it yet, but they're going to have to realize that, like, I've got to start making changes, but I've got to make a whole bunch at one time. And I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything for that. It just – I realized that, and I was kind of like, oh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, 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 this there are lots of little TikToks coming. I've been watching TikTok lately because I'm trying to get into it, and – there are these TikToks that it's only, I don't even know, is TikTok a minute long or two minutes long? I don't know. Some seem like they're eight minutes long. I don't know how they do that. But there are little TikTok stories of people. It shows them at their heaviest, maybe 500 pounds. And then it shows their weight loss. They finally confront that. For instance, I follow this beautiful girl who lost 170 pounds. And now she, she gives, and I even take some of her tips. She talks to, this is healthy eating. This is, you know, this is given a little bit towards the dirty side, but you get this sort of health benefit out of it. And she just basically talks about all the things that, that helped her. And she lost 160 pounds. But there's a lot of these little TikToks that show like a guy that's just like middle-aged, over the hill, maybe above my age, you know, maybe... And then suddenly they lose 400 pounds or 300 pounds and they show them in the gym. And, you know, those things, will, it's enough to make you cry and be like, wow, that hit me hard. And it's only, it was only like a minute long video. And this guy did it. This guy did it. And hopefully he continues to do it. You know, I don't typically follow these people, but just when you see them in the scroll. And uh, I do follow that young woman. I forgot her name, though. But, and it's <clears throat> amazing and inspiring that. And you, you, could, you could mask your problems onto it. Maybe it's not weight loss. Maybe it's some other thing you need to confront. But just to see the human perseverance, once you make the decision to change, that's the hardest part, is to decide to do it. Hmm. I mean, it is, seems to be the hardest part. And then maintaining it is the second hardest part. And, you know, people, we don't see results. It's funny, my, my, I had a, uh, a physical, what do you call it, somebody that helps you in the gym? Not a physical therapist. Like a trainer? Trainer, yeah. So my, my <coughs> trainer at the time, many years ago, I, I did this exchange with this guy. And he's like, I'll train you if you do these things for me. I was like, great. So it was a great six months of my life. And he said, people get discouraged because they don't see results right away. And now that could be business results in this context, weight loss or body change. He said, people give up because they don't see change right away. He goes, but think of how long it took you to get to where you are now. He goes, you didn't just wake up one day and you were fat. And he goes, it took a really long time to get that way, a really long time to get out of shape. He goes, now it's going to take another long time to get back in shape. He goes, so you just got to remember, you you know, you've long gradual downhills thing, now a long gradual uphill thing. He goes, just keep that in mind and keep you focused and determined. One thing uh, to do with that, I guess, I really have uh, I found about it myself that I really like to see before and afters of things, especially if I'm mm-hmm. doing them. And since I was a kid, like if I was going to rearrange my room, the furniture in my room, I would get my parents' camera and take a picture of the room and then rearrange it 
and then take another picture of it. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> like, I don't know what I, I never did anything with that. I just like to see progress. That's I like cool. to be able to measure the, the change. Is and, that a coffee table book, Bob's right. Befores and Afters? Oh, man. I, Instagram. A bunch of terrible pictures, but yeah, it could be. Um, but so for me, um, in the times where I've decided to like, okay, I'm going to work out on this thing. I'll take a picture of myself at a certain state and then, you know, hide it <laughs> so nobody ever sees it, but then be <laughs> able to compare it to 30 days later, following a plan or following a training thing or whatever. Yeah. Because I think without that, I wouldn't really see those results are so small and they happen over time that you probably looking at yourself or feeling yourself every day, you know, feel how you feel, you probably don't notice those difference. But if you no. can compare that, then you can be like, oh, wow, look, I, I look more tone or thinner than I did then. Or, you know, measuring your pace on your watch. Some people just go for a run, and that's great. But, like, I measure my runs, so I know that between this point and this point, I trained this hard, and these were the results. I can prove to myself that it was worthwhile or not worthwhile. And so if you're a person that really needs that validation to be able to feel like you've made progress, to, to stick with it, measuring something through mm -hmm. a photo, through timing, through weight, through whatever. I bought a, <laughs> I just realized this. I bought a, um, a smart scale the other day. It's been <clears> a few weeks back, but it's a, a just a scale that you weigh yourself on. <clears throat> My weight has not changed in a very long time. So it's not, I'm not worried about it, but I was like, I wonder if I like, rather than just trying to remember what I weighed last time I weighed myself, why don't I just get one that records it for me? And so now, every morning before I get in the shower, I step on the scale. I don't even look at the number. It doesn't matter. And then I get in the shower. But at any point, I went to the doctor for this checkup, and I was like, oh, let me show you my weight fluctuation over the last month. <laughs> like, pull up the thing. Even something like that would let me look back and be like, oh, well, these choices, see results. the chicken sandwich versus the burger, for me, showed this. Or, you know, right. whatever the situation is. Right. Yep. Um, so I think being able to prove it to, to yourself, you know. Um, and, and to circle back around, finding that replacement for for those choices um, that is healthy, that is good, that is productive, whatever the thing is, you know, for you, Jimmy, that could be looking around your workshop and being like, look at all this ridiculous stuff I've made in the last week. Because mm -hmm. I do feel like you talk about every week we get on here and we talk about what we've been doing and you say like 10 <laughs> things and I say maybe right. one thing. Um <laughs> So I think, you know, like your example of what I was just talking about is like just looking around at the, all the physical stuff yeah. that did not exist a week no, before. No, it's interesting. You know? you know, it's like when I look at my life accomplishment as well in the last 10 years, it's like I had an apartment in the city and a little workshop down the block. And now obviously I have a compound. I have this, you know, and it, you know, it's all, I've all paid for it, but I paid for it through the hard work and, mm. and you know, the help from the audience, no doubt. And when somebody comes and I give them the tour of everything they want to see, all the stuff, it's like all of a sudden I'm looking in a mirror that I never really pay attention to. And I'm like, oh, wow, I, got, I built this building, I'm building that building. Mm. Wow. I didn't, you know, it happened so slow and gradually, I didn't really pay attention. And you know, it's like, I guess I do have some value. That's, oh. that's your 170 pounds right there, you know? Yeah. A lot yeah. of work, a lot of time. Yeah. Well, any other any other thoughts on this? I don't want to drag it out, but any any like closing thoughts for everybody listening? I don't think that I I don't feel comfortable 
and I'm not in a good place to give life advice to anybody because I just know what works for me. But uh, I just I and I'm lucky enough to have a podcast where I could I could do this. But my <laughs> podcast is yeah, therapy. Pod, yeah, my grandpa's advice is have a purpose, and it does, that purpose doesn't have to be save the world. That's it could just advice. be have a reason to be alive and, and to get up every day and, and then think I'm lucky enough where I've figured out what my purpose is. And that is my, that's, that's what great. keeps me going. It's great. I wrote on um, my welding bench, like welding table one time, several years ago, I was very frustrated because I was not getting better at welding because I wasn't doing it often enough. And I grabbed a paint marker and just wrote, get better every time as a reminder to myself to, Every single time, just do something better than I did before. Yeah, incremental improvement. Yeah, and that's turned into like a thing that we ended up, like we say it all the time, and we write it on stuff, and we made stickers and shirts and stuff to remind because like that simple little thing, I've used it for myself, not necessarily for other people, but like it's a it's a thing that I'm trying to stick to in, in all things, just make it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But There you go. Cool. Well, I think that was yeah. good. Um, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. Um, and also, I want to throw this out. Last week, or last time, not last week, uh, we had a little, like, Patreon-only discussion that we put in, you know, we put in the after show, and I wanted their feedback. We got some fantastic feedback. We can talk about that again in the after show. Secret stuff only for patrons. Um, but thank you for all the feedback from everybody. That was pretty awesome. Uh, big thanks to everybody that helps us out over there. Uh, there's a bunch of people now, and we are very grateful for all that. They, The support on Patreon honestly makes this podcast happen. I don't think I say that part enough, but we would not be able to justify the recording, the editing, all of that, the time that we put towards this without that support. So we are very, very grateful. Um, and there's a, a bunch of people that help us out. Uh, the top supporters over there, which have been with us for a long time, Gretchen Hofer, Michael Manejan, Warren Works, Scott Orm, Full Steam Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Lowen Designs, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, which, I wanted to point out, has been our longest-running patron right now. They have been helping us out, I think, if I read the thing correctly, uh, longer than anybody else, which is pretty amazing. Thank you. You can make this too. Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Wordworks, and Corey Ward. But I also want to give a shout-out to Stephen Booker, because Stephen Booker is somehow still at the level that we don't even have anymore. He's in like this in between the top <laughs> and the second level where we used to send out t-shirts to people and he's still in that little spot where he's giving more than the people who are listed in the notes but he's not giving as much as the people who I call out. So I want to say thank you to Stephen because he's been around for a while as well. But there's a bunch of people over there that help us out and everybody no matter the level of support gets the after show. Separate podcast feed of us talking about stuff. Um, I don't know what we're going to talk about today, but yeah. Um, and if you want to join that crew, get the after show. Go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. And if you don't want to do that, that's totally fine. We're just glad you're here. Um, for, I was going to say, I was going to make a transition, but this is for everybody. If you like what we talk about, if you like this show, one thing that I keep hearing from other podcasters is that reviews really help like 
churn a podcast in the recommendation engines to get it in front of other people. I don't know if this is actually true or not, but you hear that all the time. I hear that all the time. So if you wouldn't mind going to your podcast thing of choice, wherever you listen, and leave us a review. I would be really interested to see if that is true and if it does actually get the show in front of more people. I'd also like just to hear what you think. So if you can go do that, that would be awesome. And if not, totally cool too. Just make sure you're commenting about the right right podcast. I think there's like 15 making it now. That's a good point. There are quite a few. And there's only one of us. Three of us. That's true. (laughs) One of three of us. You guys got anything to recommend? This I got week? a good one that just came out this morning, and it's by Johnny Harris, Ooh. and the title is Why I Will Never Use the Metric System, and I love it. And before Uh-oh. you people lose your freaking minds, <laughs> it, 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 it's more than just why he will never use the metric system. It goes into the history of imperial and metric and why both are flawed and why we are here and why he can't use them. It's it's really good. It just came out this morning, and uh, I love it. Wow. It's got a lot of views on it already, too, for coming out two hours yeah. ago. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I bet those comments oh, are yeah, something sure. else. Yeah, wow. Cool. Jimmy, you got anything mm-hmm. cool? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I'm looking for, in my history, I can't find anything that I haven't already talked about. Uh... Philip DeFranco? Anybody watch Philip DeFranco? <laughs> I like Philly D. What, what's the the name of the TikTok lady that you were talking about? Um, that's what I, I opened my thing to look for, but I can't find her. She, if she wasn't right at the top of my feed, I, I can't remember what her name is, hmm. unfortunately. But <clears throat> let me see. Uh, 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 uh. Well, I'll go ahead and do mine. You can think of yours. I got yeah, a book go recently, and I've just started it. Um, but so far, it's pretty cool. I have a lot left to read. And it's like a physical book. I haven't read a physical book in quite a while. I've been listening to audiobooks. <clears throat> but this one doesn't have an audiobook that I could find. It's called Cinema Alchemist. And I forgot the guy's name. Roger Roger Christian Christensen? Roger? Hang on. I'm just going to look it up. I'm terrible at this job. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cinema Alchemist. Roger Christian is his name. I'm going to put a link to the book. He is the guy that, or one of the people, but I think the main person, he's a uh, production designer. And so he designed Star Wars, pretty much, and Alien. He did both of these. He's done other work as well, but those are like the two big things. But he was the the person who, uh, George Lucas, you know, had this, he got this movie sold and everything. He has a budget that got slashed by like several million dollars. And then they have to create this world. Um, And so they put it on this guy, Roger Christian, to come up with how the world looks. And so his whole thing was sci-fi before that point was plastic and shiny. And, you know, the ray guns looked like kids' toys and stuff like that. And he wanted to go a completely different direction. And they wanted to create a universe that looked used in. Now, this has been you know, mimicked a lot since then. But at that time, that was like a totally new approach to creating a movie to look like a world that had been around for a long time, even though it's like in the future or the past or both or whatever, however you want to think of it. So this book is about him 
talking about trying to make up something that didn't exist and then how he found the parts and how he thought about design and I it's I mean I was I found it because of Star Wars stuff but I think it's it's about more than that it's about being able to create with what you have around you cuz his whole thing is like well I'm going to go buy um you know parts from wrecked airplanes and then use those parts to create take them apart and then create a new thing out of them. So I, I was drawn to getting the book because of that. Like I want to see some of his thought process. That's for, great stuff for creating that stuff. Yes, I'm. When you're when you're done with this, I highly. This is going to be my second choice. I'm in. I'm about two thirds of the way okay. through. Is Creativity Inc. And uh, it's it's going to be along the same lines where uh, the guy from Pixar. He used to work for George Lucas. He used to work for Lucas Films. And then went on to start Pixar. His entire life's dream when he went to college in the 70s was to be to make the first computer animated feature film. And he got to do that. Um, and the book, so the book goes through the story of that, but the book is more about uh, creating a, an environment to be creative and removing like obstacles and stuff it's it's really it's really good i'm only two-thirds so that's going to be my second recommendation is creativity inc okay and it's ed catmull is the person yeah. you're talking about and i recognize him from the uh the documentary i was talking about a few weeks ago called light and magic about ilm he's heavily featured in there because he is a genius he is a person who effectively created a huge part of digital effects made it even possible like that guy i had no idea who he was until i watched that documentary and now i want to read this book because now it, I know is that documentary is. on disney plus it is What's it called plus, again yeah it's called light okay. and magic it's about ilm um you know the how it started what it became and everything but in the middle of it it it's really it's a really interesting transition of these people who were craftspeople to do things with their hands to make visual effects and then how digital became the solution to a bunch of stuff but ended up replacing people and replacing jobs but then people had to decide if they wanted to move it's really really interesting outside of the star wars part of it you know i know that that's my thing and not everybody's thing but um it's pretty fascinating to see so cool awesome looking forward to this book as well cool did you find anything i didn't jimmy i didn't find uh, the the girl i'm talking about but i did find my friend nick nick hoffman is a celebrity friend of mine, and people are always impressed to know that he and I are friends. Nick Hoffman has a TV show on the Outdoor Channel called Nick's Wild Ride, and he goes around the world hunting. You know a lot of famous Nicks. Yeah, Nick Hoffman, not Nick Offerman. He's a different one. But Nick Hoffman, Nick's Wild Ride. And like I said, when I mention him to some people, like, you know Nick Hoffman? How the hell do you know? His, His wife and Taylor are close friends, and Nick and I hit it off when we met several years ago. He's a good dude. So check out Nick's Wild Ride if you're into hunting and guns and outdoor stuff because that's really what he's all about. And he's just—he's actually—he he flies an airplane, and occasionally he flies in these episodes. I was really impressed to find that he learned how to fly. Oh, he's a pilot. Not he just flies in a plane. He's yeah, yeah. No, he's a, a pilot. He, he flies oh. on plane. Cool. And uh, yeah, so check out Nick's Wild Ride on the Outdoor Channel, but Nick's Wild Ride on Instagram too. Another thing I wanted to point out, I just thought of this because you talked about the Outdoor Channel. Um, Derek from Vice Grip, Vice Grip Garage has like a show. Has a show. On He's got a show. Yep. Motor Trend Plus, is that where it is? 
I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, no, that was crazy. I remember when he got contacted, he asked me some advice. And I gave him some advice on you know television business behind the scenes stuff. But he's such a talented guy. He's such a natural. He's a natural humorist. He's such a funny, sweet guy. Um, it's like when somebody gets success like that, you're just like, wow, okay, he, he's right where he should be. And it's just so nice to see. Great, great funny, talented, extremely knowledgeable about cars and not in a, obviously not in an obnoxious way, which is why he is where he is. Yeah. By so Script Garage. I haven't seen the show. I just, I saw like a headline about it or maybe he posted Yeah, he's been posting like clips now that it's out there. Yeah, that's so cool. So I'll try to find a good link for that to put it in there so people can find yeah, it as yeah, well. Yeah. Thanks for thinking of that for me. Yeah. Cool. You guys got anything else for this week? I think that's it. Get in your workshop. Yeah. Find a thing. Stop scrolling. Find a thing that's a a healthy replacement for the thing that's not. That's my advice that you didn't ask for. (laughs) Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. See you next time. Love you.